And now, for a podcast 20 years in the making. Shit, them boys is having the time of their lives. <laughs> it will be in your head for the next hour of sports, history, just pure randomness. Just talking? Well, what's the show about? It's about nothing. With your hosts, Robbie Nelson. A team that is known as the Bears. The Bears. And the Bulls. The Bulls. The Bulls. And Mike Chips. That guy's pretty good, if, if you like. 6'5", 230-pound quarterbacks, laser, rocket arm. Are you ready for Welcome to the Dog And we are back for Episode 6, Part 2 of our fantasy preview for Welcome to the Dog Pound. I am your host, the dog, Robbie Nelson. And of course, as always, my main man, Mike Kitt. Say what's up, Mike. Yep, I'm still here. You didn't <laughs> kick me off this time. Yeah, I would love to, but then we wouldn't have a studio. Uh, and, of course, uh, our guest from part one, Jeff Cleaver, is back. So, Jeff, say what's up. What's up? <laughs> and, Jeff, why don't, you, uh, why don't you start us off on this second section? We're going we're gonna to do some kind of fun stuff about our fantasy strategy, talk about uh, – fantasy seasons of past um some bad beats stuff like that so why don't you start us off jeff yeah um, i'm happy to start it off here and i wanted to start by kind of explaining i'm hope most of the listeners are probably fantasy football aficionados or they know things about strategy and you know they know enough about football to play fantasy football but just in case you don't know anything about fantasy football the goal is really simple you get together with your friends. You There's two ways you can do it. You can snake draft, which just goes back and forth, where you pick back and forth, and you know you have the first pick in the first round. It'll go snake draft. It'll go down the list, and it'll come back the other way from start to – you'll start to finish, and you'll go from back to front on the other way. And you snake back and forth until your roster's full. And the other team's doing that too. And your goal is to get a bunch of players together that score more points than the other team's players. So it's pretty simple in that fact. But there's a lot of strategy that can go into drafting a team. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit with you guys on, like, you know, most of us read enough about fantasy football. or We've had been in the league long enough to kind of develop some tendencies or preferences. You know, there's different types of leagues you can play in where it's PPR or no PPR. There's different draft styles where... Snake draft is what I try to describe there, where you go back and forth drafting players until your roster is full. Or there's an auction draft, which is you are given a set amount of make-believe dollars, and you bid against other teams in the league on players. And you have to be kind of cautious on how you budget and allocate that capital toward your draft picks. Um, One thing we're trying in our friend Clark's league this year is a keeper league, where each team picks a, uh, a keeper from their past season that maybe in in most cases would be a really good player, a high scoring fantasy football player that you want to have again the next year. You don't have to worry about where you fall in the draft. You can just save him on your roster and hang on to him and 
you have one spot filled and you start from there. So, um, but I want to talk to Kit and Rob. I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about your draft strategy and I'll just throw out the first question. Where's your favorite spot to pick from in the draft? Do you like being toward the early part of the first round, the middle or the end? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Jeff. Like for me personally, I love being in the middle. Um, Cause if you were in the front or the, or the back, you have that period where you pick back to back um, and then you have to wait forever. And I'm always the guy thinking ahead. So I like being in the middle cause you just have the one pick and then you can strategize for the next pick and not have to have two back to back like right away. And I, I just like five through seven to maybe even eight um, is really my sweet spot. And that's, that's where I like to draft. So. There's a lot of downtime when you're at the front or the back of your draft round where you're picking 11th out of 12. You're picking the 11th, then the 12th guy goes after you, the 12th guy goes again, so it's back-to-back, and then, boom, you're picking again, and there's a ton of downtime as, what, 20 more draft picks have to happen before you pick your next player. So it's a change in strategy for sure when you're drafting toward an end versus a middle where you can kind of, um, if you are really high on a player and you don't want to wait 20 spots, sometimes you have to reach on players and not take the risk of, oh, he'll be there next round because I've only got 11 or 12 picks again before he comes up. I've got 20. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm not surprised that you said middle there, Rob, and yeah. um, just from drafting with you in past years. What about you, Kit? I, I would probably say I'm not a 1 or 10 or 12 kind of guy, depending upon the size of your league, but – I really like position two, three, four. So staying like still towards the top end, but you don't have that back-to-back pick. You still have almost consecutive picks on a few rounds, but I I like having you know being the top part of that first round, so you can definitely get one of those surefire uh, picks at that point. Even though you still might within four picks, you might have two picks but they're not back to back like the one, the 12 spots would be. So I'm, I'm kind of more, even if it's, you know, 10, 11 is still better than being in the middle to me. I, I just don't want the one or 12 picks. I do like the middle as well. I'll agree with Rob there, but my favorite spot to pick from is the front. And the reason I like picking from the front is, your best players are going out the front, right? So you're yeah, Le'Veon Bells, you're Todd Gurley, David Johnson. If you want one of those guys, you're not going to get them, depending where you fall in the draft from five or later. It's You need to have a top pick to get your fantasy superstar, and you know, barring injury, um, usually those guys are pretty pretty reliable, pretty you know, high-floor type of players. They're going to they're gonna perform for you. So I'm always uh, – when I see I have the number one pick, I can control my own fate, so – I, I prefer being the higher the better for me. Yeah. Well, I mean that's true. You like, you know, you get your pick of the litter, and, uh, you know, you get, you have that choice compared to wait until like I'm saying like you know pick six and you might not get the running back you're looking for or the wide receivers. So but, I understand. Mm-hmm. But the, but there is a theory on that. If you're if you're getting the number one overall player, you're probably gonna get the twenty fourth overall player on the second round, whereas you could have, uh. Depending on a how number it eight out, yeah. and a number twelve, you yeah. know, kind of ranking. So it is. It's the snake really makes it more. It evens fair. it out. I it think evens yeah. it out at yeah. that point. Yep. 
Yeah, and it forces you to make really safe picks early on, I think, because, you know, there are only so many, you know, 10-plus fantasy point-per-week guys, and you can't you can't mess around early on, otherwise your roster's going to be crap, and you're relying on lucking out in the free agent pool to make your season relevant. Yeah. Like Rob last year in Clark's League. <laughs> Well, we won't go down that road because I'm sure we don't want to bring up bad memories for Rob. Well, we're going to talk about it I here will. in a bit. <laughs> so uh, another one that I, I I don't think really applies to the three of us, but I wanted to know your input on this is there's there was a big trend a couple years ago when there's this boom in passing offenses. Um, receivers were catching more passes gaining more yards back when Calvin Johnson was in his prime Antonio Brown was oh, yeah, a high performer sure. and Julio Jones and AJ Green were up and comers there's a lot of young talent in the NFL at receiver so there were some fantasy analysts that write um, write articles on fantasy were employing uh, or promoting a zero running back strategy and the thought behind that strategy for those on the um, on the line here um, is you would wait until late in the draft, middle to late rounds, to pick up your running backs because running back is a position where you have more injuries, your running backs typically don't make it through the season, and why risk a pick early in the draft on a running back? He's hurt when you could load up with good, talented wide receivers or quarterbacks or tight ends early in the draft and pick up your running backs, the Alvin Kamara types or the back up to the star and you're you're getting just as good a production maybe not quite as much as like a Le'Veon Bell or a Todd Gurley but we've seen running backs come out of nowhere perform really well Arian Foster was a notorious one a few years ago that nobody was talking about um I just want to know what your input on this but I know in the back of my head how you guys draft and it's never zero running backs never been a strategy of any of ours but um want to know your thoughts on that well, I, I think it matters um, where you're drafting, too. So, like, let's say I'm pick, you know, 10 or 11. You know, I'm going to seriously consider a wide receiver there because you're going to get theoretically a top wide receiver at that point. And like you were mentioning, Jeff, you know, somebody like Antonio Brown is producing as well as a top, you know, running back. So, and like you mentioned before, you know, that you have your top guys and then it's just kind of whoever, you know, and it might be a guy like, you know, Aaron Foster that you're talking about, or even Kamara for last year. I didn't draft him because you didn't know what he was going to be. At the time, he was a third-string running back, and then he becomes rookie of the year. Or, you know, Kareem Hunt, you knew he was going to play, but you weren't waiting or you weren't getting him in the first round, you know, and then he turns out to be a stud. So, But it still comes back, you need a bell cow because – if you get stuck with jabroni running backs, like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to mention this yet since we're going to talk about it later, but, you know, our friend Jordan Boak, you know, starting a guy <laughs> like Jackie Battle, you know, you don't want to get stuck with that. Boak want- was notorious for picking up <laughs> running backs that were more like fullbacks that fullbacks. maybe touched the ball three or four times a game, and every month he might score a touchdown. But uh, <laughs> Boak was the only guy I've ever known who's rostered that. Jackie Battle multiple years <laughs> on his fantasy roster. Not only did he just roster him, but actually like play him. So uh, <laughs> he was a foundation piece of some of Boak's past <laughs> fantasy teams. Peeps. And uh, that's probably we why he wasn't making the playoffs those years. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. 
I think you still have to draft a running back early because you need that guy. But I could see the strategy with it if you're getting stud wide receivers too. So what do you think, Kit? So my answer is probably going to be something that kind of helps out both sides a little bit because I understand the theory that sometimes running backs can be a dime a dozen outside the top five. So once you get outside the top five, you know, a guy could jump huge and, you know, you might draft, you know, I might draft a guy that's in the top 35 and ends up sixth in points by the end of the season. So I kind of understand the theory of wanting to get more receivers um, that are higher ranked and just fill in at the running back spot, but you still have to have a quarterback that can throw to the wide receiver. A running back's going to get a handoff and there's not going to be, you know, much problem, you know, actually getting the ball out on time, getting sacked as it would be receivers. So I would I would lean towards you still want to draft a uh, running back up ahead of the time um, just based on the fact of there's a lot less circumstances that are going to happen with interceptions or incompletions that are going to hurt your your receiver group at that point. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of any stories of the zero running back strategy actually paying off and the guy practicing it or winning the fantasy championship. Usually you need to have a guy early on, a running back that gets that high volume, plenty of touches, can catch passes out of the backfield. The one thing about running backs is, yeah, you might run up against a really tough run defense and they have a bad week, but they're touching the ball way more than your receivers are. So there's more opportunities for production out of your fantasy running back than there are out of receivers. But, um, yeah, best player available is something I've always really tried to approach. So if I don't like the running backs, they're on the board and Antonio Brown's there, boom, I jump on Brown. I'll try to pick some running backs later later on in the draft, hoping that they'll get um, they'll get me some points. But I want to I want to lock up the best player available, no matter where I'm at. But yeah, I don't I'm not to the extreme where I'm just going to pass on running backs until I have my other positions filled because running backs get hurt. Um, you need to have your you need to have your bell cow. Yeah, exactly. So um, my third question, and then we can move on to another topic about bad beats or favorite yeah. um, fancy players, is um, want to know your strategy on the quarterback position. So I look back, and early on in our fancy draft, so just for the folks on the line that aren't in our league or familiar with our league, we started out in 2010. A bunch of us friends started our league, and Rob and Kit and I and Nick Brune are the foundation foundational pieces of that league. We're the only ones that have been in it from the start to where it is now, right? Am I right, guys? Uh, Alex, too, right? Well, he was a year after. Oh, he was a year after. That's right. Yep. Yep. Alex and Will were a year la- yeah, after, yeah, I believe. Yeah. And uh, we were, we, we've been with it from the start, so we've seen a lot of change in fantasy football, so yeah. to speak. I mean, the rules are still the same for the most part. We've added a few tweaks to the um, league over the years, but – one thing I've noticed in fantasy drafts over the years is how the quarterback has been valued from years past to where they are now. And I just uh, want to know where you guys usually typically fall with quarterbacks in the draft. Um, yeah. So uh, me specifically, I think Brun and I are on the same page. And Nick, you can text me once you listen to this. Um, quarterbacks isn't as important as it used to be because um, – 
with how the rules have changed in the game itself, you know, it, it favors the passing game. So, I mean, you could wait and get a quarterback that will get you points every week um, later in the draft. You don't have to reach for a guy third, fourth, or even fifth round. I mean, you can get a starter that's pretty decent, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth round. And I, I've always tried to follow that, you know, not reach for – Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. And yeah, I mean, he's going to have games where he just goes absolutely off, but um look at our look at our fantasy league last year. Uh Aaron Bauer won. You know who his quarterback was in the fantasy playoffs? Blake Bortles. You know who's not good? Blake Bortles. So, I mean, that just kind of says how I feel about quarterbacks, so Yeah, Blake Bortles is the king of garbage time fantasy points. Yeah. Every he's actually you know, he was in our fantasy finals the last two seasons. Kit, he was on your oh, roster yeah, two years too, ago, huh? and you made the finals. That is correct. <laughs> we but, all know how much you love Blake Bortles, yeah. Kit. Hey, he's a winner. Like uh, Jalen <laughs> Ramsey was said, Blake's got to do Blake. Uh, I, I mean, he was on my team the one year. I think I made the semifinals that year, or maybe I made the finals in Bruins League, but – I'm I'm the other way. I'm one of those that if I usually make the playoffs or the the championship of one of my leagues, it's because of quarterback play, consistency at the quarterback play. Um, yeah, like there's been seasons where I had Marcus Mariota one week and the next week I'm running some random Ryan Fitzpatrick out there. Those years I'm usually finishing three and nine. Um, if I can, can get consistency out of the quarterback position and and I can usually plug and play in other positions, to me, I end up having the better chance to make the playoffs. So am I going to take a first-round quarterback? No. But am well, I you're gonna, not E-Bob. Yeah, but am I going to take a second or third Sorry, round? E-Bob, for that <laughs> comment. I'm not sorry. He, he's the one that did it. But if, if it's a second or third-round quarterback – I'm more willing to take them just for the fact of I want my nine best players every week. And what's the point of having a running back on the bench for two weeks out of the season when you could have a stud quarterback comparable to that? Uh, I I guess that's fair. I'm also with Rob on the fact that I want to wait as long as I can, try to fill up my other roster spots because you can wait and wait and wait and get a guy like Alex Smith or Phillip Rivers that's going to get you consistent production out of the quarterback position week in and week out. You don't have to sacrifice a top four, one of your first four picks for a quarterback. Yep. And that's how our league has evolved. I look back to 2010, and we were picking quarterbacks first and second round. In fact, both, of, both you and I, Rob, picked quarterbacks in the second round. I went with Tom Brady, 15th overall. You went with Tony Romo, 17th overall. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. And then the, we were picking quarterbacks in the top 20, and yeah. we shifted from that mindset to where last year you picked up Derek Carr in the 8th round. Yeah. I picked up Philip Rivers in the 11th round. Yeah. So we both waited, and I feel like waiting's the more common practice over the more veteran, maybe the fancy football managers that study their, study their roster and um, study the draft a little bit more thoroughly than other people that might be starting out new. But So tips for beginners – it's okay to wait on quarterback. You don't necessarily have to take the best player. It's all about production. And you can still get good production from the quarterback position late in the draft versus running backs. Those are going to 
go like hotcakes, right? They're going to be drafted. Yeah. You're going to be um, losing your court. You're losing your running backs really early in the draft. You have to rely on injuries and picking up guys in the waiver wire where um, there's a little more value in that position. Um, fun fact, 2011, five of our first 11 draft picks that year were quarterbacks in our league. It was a 10-team league at that time. So yep. half of our league devoted a first or your top – your well, basically, dra- your it's first basically round first draft round, pick yeah. was a quarterback, huh. and we've shifted from that. I think oh, as absolutely. a whole, your quarterbacks are a lot less valuable than we thought. So, um, waiting on it is okay in my book. And I, I would say like ESPN, Yahoo, CBS Sports, they tended to lower the ranking on a quarterback too. So I would say they ultimately started to lower it the the actual ranking of the quarterback that probably. You know, let fans of fantasy football know that the quarterback's not as right. As well. we, we we follow their rankings week in or year in and year out. So they've yeah they've they follow that. They're the ones that are promoting this strategy, and we're we're obviously either following it or going against it. And we're drafting you know Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady in the top three rounds. But yeah. um, I guess another thing to talk about as you're preparing for a draft is just the success rate of your draft and. I don't have any metrics or stats to back this up, but I, I went back and looked at a few of my teams from the past few years, and from the draft to the end of the season, they look drastically different, and it's almost comical to some some drafts. Like, well, what was I thinking picking this guy in the yeah. fifth round when so-and-so is available later on in the draft? And that's the beauty of fantasy football in the NFL in general is there's so much parity in that league. You don't know what's going to happen week in and week out where, you know, you're – half of your roster is going to be turned over by week 16 or week 13 when the playoffs are yeah. the regular season's ending. So I think it's real, it's a, it's a season long commitment and uh, you're always having to look for value, hidden value on the waivers or paying close attention to NFL week in, week out. Right. Well, and to go back on what you're saying here, Jeff, about um, how our league has evolved. I think all of us have gotten better at fantasy football and it makes uh, the waiver wire just brutal, like because we all are looking at the same guys, and you you have to almost take a chance before a guy really becomes good to snag a guy that is you know the Alvin Kamara last year or you know an Aaron Foster of a couple years ago, like because we're all s- such smart fancy players now, like um, it's almost made our draft more important because you have to have studs because you can't just fill your team with waiver wire guys. Um, and, you know, not to wrap on Boke again, but you can't just fill your team with Jackie Battles, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I'll, I will say Brad Hansen one year auto-drafted and was loaded at wide receiver. His auto-draft just kept saying receivers. And I don't think he made the playoffs that year, but looking at his roster versus some of the teams that – actually you know Drafted. pick their own players I'm like damn, damn brad brad's roster <laughs> looks legit it looked nice so yeah, uh, yeah. but we, we don't promote auto drafting any of your fantasy football drafts unless it's you know Necessary. unless you absolutely can't make it yep so um should we uh go into um our fa- favorite like fantasy players from old or well, what do you think here sounds good to me okay why don't you why don't you give me one uh, from the past that um, that you weren't expecting that was going to be um, a stud, and then he just turned into one of your favorite players that you've ever had. Oh yeah, um, I early on in my career, and I was you know 
a lot younger then in my fantasy football playing career, I should say, um, I was a lot more looking, like I was always looking for the sleeper. I was trying to find these under the radar guys that I thought, all right, we don't know anything about them, but they mm-hmm. could end up being really solid draft picks. And they never really turned out. Um, it's actually a funny story. I'm going to throw the name Trent Richardson out at you, former <laughs> Cleveland Brown running back. Yeah, yeah. Would you say he was a favorite fantasy football player of any team? Or any no. fantasy football manager, would you no. associate favorite with Trent Richardson? Probably wow. not. Wow. But uh, he actually had a really good rookie season, and I picked him up toward yep. the end of the draft. And uh, the next year, he was going in the top ten. Everybody yeah. wanted Trent Richardson, and uh, <laughs> he stunk it up and got traded to the Colts and really was never relevant again. So um, he's not my favorite. Um, I'll go with Ezekiel Elliott. I've mentioned him in our part one podcast. Well, you're going to draft um, him again, so yeah, of course. I will draft him any chance I get, guys. So if you're yeah. in front of me and Zeke Elliott's on the board, take him because I'm going to draft him. Yeah. But uh, I won a league with him one year. Um, I tried to win a league with him last year. Um, he's he's a consistent running back behind a good offensive line. And uh, <laughs> I, when I drafted him, that just shows you how you don't know much early in the season when you're drafting players. We'll just admit it because a lot of things change that are out of our control. Um, I was like – upset and I had to pick Zeke Elliott in the first round two years ago I think I had the eighth pick and I I wanted Todd Gurley yeah and Todd Gurley was awful in Jeff Fisher's Jeff office Fisher, that yep. year so I was so thankful I got Elliott where the next year things flipped Todd Gurley was at a stud he won Bauer the league last year so yep. um I'll go with Zeke Elliott as a player that um you know I had from the start he lived up to the hype um definitely satisfied with Zeke <laughs> That's a good one. What about you, Kit? This is probably going to date a little bit before we actually had a fantasy team with our recent fantasy leagues, I guess. This would have been like our auto-draft leagues we 04. had in high school. I have one from that, too. So, so yeah, 04 year um, was the year that I had Peyton Manning, and I never really drafted him after that, maybe one year after that at, at that point. Um, but it was the year he broke uh, Dan Marino's passing record. Um, I think I had him and either Reggie Wayne or Marvin Harrison. I can't remember exactly which one of the receivers I had. Uh, but ultimately, it was just a year that he broke records, scored a lot of points. I won, I think, our auto pick fantasy league that year in 2004. That sounds uh, right. Basically off the back of Peyton. So, um <laughs> I, I, I'm not a guy that really drafts the same guy year in, year out. I like to uh, get fresh blood in and try out new people. So, mm-hmm. like, even having a keeper league, I'm like, man, that's going to be the first year I've had the same guy back-to-back years. So, uh, it's one of those things. It's It was a great season to watch and win a fantasy title with with Peyton. Well, uh, you know, the, the, the safest bet in the history of podcasting and football related podcasts is Kit, you're going to find a way to work Peyton Manning into <laughs> the podcast somehow and drool uh, over Peyton. Yep. Um, I think you've got a perfect record so far. Yep. I, uh, well, I was going to say on that, Mike, I, I, I think what is important about that season it was it was literally all of our very first foray into fantasy football. You know, yeah, it was auto draft and, you know, whatever, but. It 
it got us into the fantasy football realm. And we still have that league in existence today, even though Kit never remembers, even though yeah. he's in it every year. Um, so I'm going to kind of cheat here. I have three guys I wanted to talk about. Um, the first one is from the auto draft league. It was Marcus Colston's rookie year for the Saints. And in that auto draft league, he was listed as a wide receiver slash tight end because they didn't know if he was going to play tight end or not. So I got to play him as a tight end the whole season, and it felt like cheating, and it was awesome. So, <laughs> um, But back to our uh, our league that we're in now, the Champions League. Um, I'm going to list two guys. One is probably very easy to know for the two of you and everybody that's in that league is my boy, G. Reg Olsen. Uh, he's my favorite tight end. Um, always has been, and that's why I'm mad at Kit for making me uh, sell on him earlier. But I always get super mad when people draft him ahead of me. But he's just Mr. Consistent, um, and I just love him. So he's my guy. He's the guy I always try to draft. So, um, And my other one it will actually factor into a miracle slash bad beat for Jeff, and that is Cam Scam Newton who saved my season in the the 2000 and I'm trying to remember what year it was 2012 season um with a miracle uh and he's just one of those guys that got a lot of rushing yards and you know factored into the quarterback rushing game so I uh kind of have a fondness for that so yeah and we tied that year and that's the one frustrating thing for anybody that plays fantasy football is you can set your lineup each week and the other team sets their lineup and you can't control anything after that and i remember watching monday night football that time i'm like i got this win in the bag i think the eagles and panthers are playing and uh and and cam just kept scoring points (laughs) and not necessarily relevant points it might have been where they're just you know yeah the Eagles defense is tired. They're giving up. And, uh, yeah, I can't remember. It was like, did you say 30, 37 points or something yeah. like that? He just uh, he, he got you in the playoffs that year. Well, why don't we just talk about it now? So uh, let's just set the stage for this. It's 2012. I'm struggling through the year, but I still have a, a very desperate uh, play to get into the playoffs. And I'm playing Jeff. I'm down 37 going into Monday night. But if I tie – all I have to do is win the next week and I make the playoffs based off of our tiebreakers and everything. So I'm not even thinking I have a chance here, right? But I have Cam Newton going into this meaningless Monday night game. They're playing the Eagles. And Cam <laughs> gets all these rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns, just has the most asinine game, and he ends up with exactly 37 points. And I tie Jeff, which is the exact thing I needed to happen to make the playoffs. But, Jeff, you do end up beating me in the playoffs that year. So you did exact revenge before you lost um, in the championship game. So, Hey, I, uh, I take no prisoners when it comes to <laughs> fantasy football revenge. And that's, yeah. I'm sure that's factored into it there. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, honorable mention for my favorite fantasy player is LeGarrette Blunt. Um, oh, New England Patriots running back that I uh, I always seem to roster in any sort of New England Patriot running back. I will pick them up if they're available. You can <laughs> count on them if you're in a fantasy league with me, and I'll get pissed at them halfway through the season because they'll fumble, and I'll have them in my lineup, and Bill Belichick will bench them or release them. Yeah. And I've been trying to kick the habit for a long time, but I can't do it. I just keep drafting Patriot running backs. Even when they leave the Patriots, I'll still pick them up. <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. Um, so should we talk about um, our bad beats now? Just as well. I, I know. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like we have plenty of them, Rob, and yeah. they're usually involving each other. Brother. We kind of have a longstanding feud of yeah. um, when our fantasy matchup happens because, like you mentioned, the uh, the Cam Newton miracle game was uh, a memorable one. I will bring up one from the 2013 season where I felt like I had the win in the bag. I had three players left to go. And I don't know if you remember this. No, two players left to go up. My, my apologies. I had Vernon Davis on Monday Night Football when he was with the 49ers playing against yeah. Washington. And Sunday night, I had Stephen Ridley, New England Patriot running back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he was going to be playing, and I need to pull this game up on the computer because I uh, need to get my story straight. Yeah, he was playing I'm looking at the, it right now. On I Sunday can... Night Football against the Broncos. And uh, this was the 2013 season. We were both in the playoff hunt. It was toward the end of the year, week 12. And for those that don't follow the ESPN league, it's a 13-week league in our league. And then weeks 14, 15, and 16 are the playoffs. And (laughs) Stephen Ridley fumbled the ball, lost two points from the fumble, had 14 yards, never went back in the game. So I'm like, screw that. That's going to be awful. I need need Vernon Davis to carry the load. And he, he did the next day, scored 11 points. So... 11 plus negative 6 is 10.4. I thought I had Rob beat by a narrow margin of less than a point, like a half a point. Um, then I wake up the next morning and find out that I lost. Yep. And I thought, well, how, how the hell did that happen? Des Bryant <laughs> had fumbled the ball, which I got negative 2 points from against the Giants. He was playing the Giants. He fumbled the ball. Yep. The ball, I still remember this play happening because I was watching it on TV. The ball went flying backwards, and the other somebody fell on it from the Cowboys. Or, no, from the, uh, from the Giants. Giants my, yeah. my apologies there. They didn't give him negative points from the, where the ball went. They subtracted that later, so I ended up losing 86.5 to 86.4. <laughs> you beat me by 0.1 points. That's yep. the slimmest margin we could have. And how did we end up that season? You I meant, went eight and five, five and yep. made the playoffs. Yep. I went six and seven and missed the playoffs. We both would have been seven and six had the tables been turned. Oh, yeah. And I had scored more points than you that season. I would have got in over you. Yep. That's the toughest beat I will ever experience from <laughs> uh, from fantasy football. But hey, you uh, oh you were you just so have mad. to roll with the punches. Yeah, I remember that you were so mad. Uh, oh yeah, because yeah, we had uh, quite a. A conversation the next day over text on that Tuesday. <laughs> I wanted to override. I wanted Bruno yeah, override. You, you wanted to override. I thought that was BS. Yeah, yeah. I said, "Hey, we need we need those points back." But yeah, <laughs> that that, uh, that that's the way oh, it goes sometimes. That's, that's a bad one. Um, well, I already mentioned the Monday Night Miracle, and that's another one that I got over on you. Uh, uh, another one I was going to mention um, that I wrote down here is. So the year is 2011. It's our second year in our fantasy league, and I, I feel pretty good. I won the year before. Um, we're still a 10-team league, so, I mean, it's not super hard, but I, uh, get a, I get a trade offer from our friend Alex Cleaver, and he needed a running back, and I had a couple, and I needed a wide receiver. So this is Marshawn Lynch, pre-beast mode. And he wanted to trade me straight up Roddy White, who 
was still the Falcons' number one receiver at the time. So I pulled the trigger because as anybody that's played with me before, I am very nervous about ever making a trade, and this is why. So literally, I make the trade. Roddy White becomes dog shit, and Marshawn Lynch becomes beast mode, and guess who wins the, the league that season? Not me. Alex. I get last. Alex wins the whole thing because of Marshawn Lynch. I basically handed him the championship. So You've been scarred for life ever <laughs> since. Life. You will not trade in <laughs> fantasy football after that. And yeah. uh, I'm the opposite. I love trading. I Will Johnson and I trade players every year. It's a tradition for us. And we, even if we don't need to trade, we just talk about it and say, hey, we need to make a trade, Will. Let's do that. So <laughs> two different approaches for sure. Rob, scarred yeah, for life. I hate it. Bad experience with trading. I find it more interesting because I like to switch up my roster if things aren't working out or if I really like a player on Will's team or anybody else's team, but usually Will Will and I are the two. Uh, we're like the uh, Cleveland Browns and Patriots. The Cleveland Browns and Patriots are always dealing in the NFL for years, and uh, yeah. Will and I are, are the same way. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, this is relevant for this season. Uh uh, talking about trades is um, in our our Clark's League last year. I was in last place and I didn't think it mattered, so I let Jake Matthews have Le'Veon Bell basically for Brandon Cooks and the bag of beans, forgetting that we had already decided to have a keeper league. So now I'm stuck with Brandon Cooks as my keeper, basically as a first round pick, and he shouldn't be a first round pick. So that's on me. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't one of your finest moments, Rob. Yeah. You uh, you ended up with one win that whole year. So yeah. uh, um, over Clark though, and it cost him the playoff spot. You beat Clark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's his <laughs> bad beat. So that's funny. That was only your excitement was having a uh, a win over Clark just to keep him out of the playoffs. Yeah, I was playing spoiler, and it was really funny because he was super mad about it. Okay. Um, I'll chime in as an, an, it's not a bad beat that I experienced, but it's one I was uh, witness to because I played Alex Cleaver the first week of our league last year, and it was Cleaver versus Cleaver. Oh. Um, I had the win locked up. I was going to talk part, about I think this, Jeff, He so. had like one or two guys left, and yep. uh, he uh, I don't have the actual score written up, but he benched all of his players on Monday Night Football. I think he had Melvin Gordon and somebody else, and he I'm benched those up. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Bench, I can if you pull it up. I All can right, explain so the, you ended up winning. And how it bit him. You ended up winning ninety four. You ended up winning basically ninety four to thirty eight. He benched his running back and his flex spot. So you can yeah. continue. So Melvin Gordon, who is his other guy? Well, you uh, probably can't see because he benched him. But uh, yeah, yeah two two of his higher point scoring players. He yep. benched. It was Melvin Gordon was one of them for sure. Yeah, one of his best players, and yeah. so he benched those guys. <laughs> So he could get the number one waiver spot Not, the following yeah. week and pick up Tariq Cohen from the Bears. So he already had the loss in the bag. But in our league, points come in oh, handy because you need total points and tiebreaker if you have the same record as somebody else, and that determines who makes the playoffs. Well, guess what happens to Alex? The last <laughs> week, he's got the same record as Seidelman. Yep. Seidelman has a few more points, points in him, not much. He makes the playoffs over Alex, and Alex is stuck with Tariq Cohen on his bench and a few less points. It was specifically 20 points yeah which he would have gotten from those players easily (laughs) so it literally cost him a playoff spot i remember i did the math and uh we sent out a pretty funny uh text for all of us and 
Yeah, and Alex, for as good as Alex has been in fantasy football yeah. over the years in this league, he's won three times. There's no yeah. doubting he's had the best success in the in the league over the years. But that wasn't Absolutely. one of Alex's finest moments. So even <laughs> the best fantasy football managers have yeah. their um, not well, so uh, shining moments. He didn't think about the future when he made that. I mean, it was week one, and he wasn't thinking about that. And he thought he'd probably make it up. But it's it just funny that it came back to bite him. To him, it was a calculated risk, and yeah. he calculated wrong on that one. Um, yep, I just had I just had one more, and this is actually from last season. Um, talking about our uh, our uh, champion Bauer, so I make the playoffs, and I have to play him uh, the first round, I believe. Yeah, it was round. No, I beat Seidelman to make it the second round, and I'm playing Bauer, who's starting Kit's boy Blake Bortles. So. I end up having a pretty good week. I score basically about 105 points, which in a non-PPR league is pretty good, right? So I play Bauer, who happens to have Todd Gurley, who goes off against the Seahawks and has 42 points. With He had three rushing touchdowns. Um, he had some – I think he had some, like, uh, receiving touchdowns too. It was just – a stupid amount of points, and it was just brutal for me. And then the next week he went off too, I believe. So he was just on a tear at the end of the season. So he only beat me by like 25 points. So if Gurley just had a normal game, you know, uh, for a starting running back, I probably would have made it the championship. So I'm still a little bitter. I definitely feel your pain on feeling the wrath of Todd Gurley in the fantasy playoffs last year. He, yeah, pretty much if you had him going in the playoffs, there's a good chance you were winning the whole championship because it's all about finding guys that get hot late. And that was exactly what happened with Todd Gurley. So, um, yeah, definitely, uh, not a close beat, but a, a tough pill to swallow when you're yeah. sitting watching football and it might be a team you really enjoy or a player you really enjoy, but you're going up against him and there's nothing he can do when that player gets hot. <laughs> So, yeah. um, Todd really was a classic yeah. example. So, um, and just like a few things, like you know, from players in our league, uh, I always enjoy that Will thinks he has the best sleeper. Um, he always has it written down, and it ends up not being that good. <laughs> it was it well, was and he leaves that. his list of sleepers at the fantasy table <laughs> for everybody that wants to look at it to look at it. So they're really not true sleepers because Will uh, doesn't do a very good job of covering uh, up his his uh, cheat sheet. But yeah. he is notorious for having a long list of sleepers. sleepers yeah, <laughs> so that always ma- makes me laugh. So, um, but I, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I feel like our league has gotten better over the years, and it's it's one of the things I look forward to the most in the fall, and. I think, you know, you guys do too. And it, it keeps us, you know, in contact with each other, even though, um, you know, some of us might not see each other all the time, like, you know, Alex and, you know, Bruin down in Kansas City. So um, I'm glad we still do it. We break some people's pride, like Boke, who just could not get <laughs> over the hump to the point where he couldn't take it anymore and he got out of the league. So yeah. uh, we still miss you in the league, Boke. And yeah, uh, you, Boke. Jackie Battle's still available on the free agent wire and, and Mike Tolbert <laughs> and all those other running backs that you like to, uh, you like to roster. Oh, man. Uh, kid- do, do you guys have any, any draft picks that you regret? Like one you were really excited about and he stunk up the joint. Kind of like a Trent Richardson type, although... I played the reverse role there where I enjoyed having Trent Richardson on my roster, but overall he had a poor fantasy football career. Oh, 100% for me is Doug Martin. So The muscle I, hamster. The muscle hamster, as we discussed earlier. 
So I had him as rookie year where I, I think I got him off of waivers, and he was a stud that year. He had that huge Thursday night game against the Raiders. Um, and so the next year I draft him because I'm like, this is my guy. Terrible. So I don't draft him the next year. He's good again. So then I draft him the year after that. Terrible again. Just brutal for me, you know. So that's that's number one guy I hate the most. So Yeah, Doug Martin. Doug Martin had one shining moment in fantasy football, and that was it. Because uh, he, yeah, he's he's a backup in Oakland for a reason. Is because yeah. you can't count on him being a starting running back and carrying a load of um, <laughs> of a fantasy worthy roster spot. Yeah. Um, that's a good pick, Rob. I will uh, I will throw out one that I thought it was a really poor year for me. All in all, I actually made the playoffs this year, but my draft job was one of my worst drafts ever and I picked up I'm sure I had like Garrett Blunt and he was probably all right but uh I had Joseph Randall it was um the year after DeMarco Murray left Dallas and the year before um uh, Ezekiel Elliott was drafted by the Cowboys so Randall was supposed to be the guy right Mm -hmm. and I picked him up in the fourth round fifth round somewhere in there thinking he was gonna be a stud and they ended up cutting him halfway through the year so (laughs) He uh, he got in a lot of off-field trouble, and even on the field, he wasn't wasn't that good. I uh, that was a rough year for me with running backs in general. I had guys like Antonio Brown and Crabtree carry my team, but I also had Tevin Coleman, and Tevin Coleman actually started out as the starting running back his rookie year in Atlanta. That's true. And yeah, and you know who picked up um, the end up being the highest scoring fantasy running back this that year was Devonte Freeman and who had him on the roster? I did my nemesis, Robbie <laughs> Nelson. Oh, he ended yeah. up getting, uh, getting Devonte Freeman that year. And I was stuck with an injured Tevin Coleman. Coleman that was yep. worthless. Yeah. Yeah. Devonte was the man for me that year. He was incredible. <laughs> uh, hey, I wonder where Joseph Randall is nowadays though. He was an probably, Oklahoma state product, right? Yep. And, He's probably not anywhere close to the NFL. No, he's probably in jail. He was good in college too. Yeah. How so about you? That kid? was my worst, my worst draft pick of all time. I can't remember. Yeah, I, he, I don't he remember doesn't know teams. He's yeah, like the only thing is, I, just, he, he just got this love affection for uh, Blake Bortles, and all he can think about during the draft <laughs> is which crappy quarterback I'm going <laughs> to pick up and, and get production out of. There's only there's only about three picks that I remember making. One of them was Robert Griffin the third picking him up in like the seventeenth round his rookie season and oh, yeah, be a rookie of the year. Yep. So that's about all I remember. Each year is just a blur. What about the, the Jets in the fifth round? You don't remember doing that? Because I, I remember, sure remember doing it. it. I just don't remember <laughs> how it turned out. Probably that's one of my favorite of your uh, draft picks. Kit was the uh, was 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 the uh, Jets defense pick. And to be fair, I I think. Most of the time, Kit's just trying to figure out who I want to pick, and then he tries to pick that person. Kit's also notorious for fantasy drafting from his cell phone. And this is before <laughs> smartphones were really app-friendly. Yeah. They were like – he, was, he was drafting yeah. from like a web page on a phone <laughs> and couldn't see any of the players' names. But Kit's always looking for the uh, – I wouldn't say the edge, but he's always looking to be the contrarian and how to approach – fantasy football uh or player selections or he's watching uh wrestling videos when he's trying to draft who yes who, who's <laughs> who's still competitive in the league by doing this though yeah that's true i mean maybe we should uh 
start being more like a kid over here. Or you can be like Brad Hansen, who is giving a presentation at work while doing a fantasy draft. Hey, That's true. Brad, Brad's not in our league anymore, but the yeah. one thing Brad can do better than about anybody is multitask yeah. with different different things. Fantasy football draft being one of them. We could we could do a whole podcast talking about the various things Brad can multitask. We should just have Brad come on the podcast and sometime, about and he can be cooking supper or <laughs> going for a run, run. and uh, he's ch- chopping up chopping. vegetables and giving insight on Seinfeld or yeah. curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, well, um, do you have anything else, Jeff, that you wanted to add for this one? No, just uh, we'll see you guys see you guys soon for the for the draft and looking forward to another good year. Yeah. I it's... think that uh, this part of the podcast, I hope everybody enjoyed it, but I think people specific to our fantasy football league will really appreciate some of the stories we brought up here. And uh, yeah. um, I'm sure those that are in our league are in leagues where they have memorable moments with their friends and um, stuff they can, you know, be frustrated over during a Sunday, but over time it's something we can laugh about and really talk about. And I hope that's really what fancy football is supposed to be for everybody. It's, it's a game, it's fun, but it's really keeps you interested in the NFL. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a cheap way to entertain yourself too. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Like Sundays is one of my favorite things, you know, just checking the various, you know, box scores or watching the game or if you have NFL red zone, it's like one of the greatest inventions of all time. Like just being able to see all that stuff and give it gives yeah, you rip. something to look at, you know, when you're slacking off at work too. Hey, well, I don't slack off at of work, but a red <laughs> zone is uh red zone is meant for fantasy football, oh, no yeah. doubt. And and people prefer the red zone channel over watching games, except yeah. I mean, unless you have a favorite team like you do yeah. the Bears, Rob. Yeah. yeah. So. I wouldn't watch NFL if I didn't play fantasy football. That oh, tells yeah. you well, you'd be, you'd be too busy watching Dan Gable videos and other <laughs> wrestling uh, wrestling highlights from years gone by. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Kit doesn't really like the NFL. I mean, you're more of a college guy. I mean, I know that. So, But I, I appreciate I that you participate. Yeah. Um, I, I pitch in my share of money each year to the winners. Yeah, so. it's a donation. Yep. So... There we go. All right. Well, um, this was a fun part two. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we've about, we've about forgot it for a second week. So yeah, we gotta we gotta do our kit facts. So yep. Mike, so go ahead. I do apologize to the listeners out there that do love the kit fact. Um, last week got a little long, and I completely forgot uh, about a kit fact. So uh, this week I am gonna have a kit fact for you. Um, being me and Jeff were recently in Kansas City hanging out with our commissioner uh, Nick Brune. Uh, this one's a shout out to his son Dexter, who was teaching me a lot about reptiles over the weekend. What up, Dex? Uh, so this one is for him. Uh, we're going to talk about Legos. Uh, Legos are act- uh, Legos are actually a snake-like creature, but they're actually a legless lizard. Uh, so four things that make a legless lizard are, uh, compared to a snake, are legless lizards have eyelids and snakes do not. Uh, they also have external ear openings for them to hear. Um, a legless lizard also has tongues that are thicker and less fork-like. And legless lizards have leg uh, lateral grooves in them instead of scales so there's actually things out there that are legless lizards called legas 
that not, are not Legos. Legos. No, Le- okay. I L-E- just want to make sure. L E G O L A S. Okay. And so there's leg uh, those legless lizards out there. So um, just a couple facts that I wanted to uh, demonstrate to Dexter, who helped me learn a lot of other things about lizards this weekend from his book that he was showing me. That's uh, that's interesting. I uh, so tell me more about these grooves. So instead of scales, they have like, well, they're sectioned off grooves like in their body. So, so does that help them move? Or yeah, so they move like a snake. So it's huh. more like an armadillo, like the grooves on an armadillo, like oh. their back would right. be like that somewhat. <laughs> what do you think about that, Jeff? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I just zoned out. I'm, the Bills game's on now. I'm starting to watch uh, Buffalo yeah. Cincinnati preseason football. Yeah. So, uh, I, a great fact, though. Um, lizards are an interesting reptile, no doubt. I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll leave the, the fun facts about lizards up to kids. <laughs> well, I thought this was a really good one, Mike. I have never actually heard of a legless lizard. I just assumed it was a snake. Because so. I'm looking at it on my computer right now, and it looks exactly like a snake, except for those uh groups that you're talking about i'm looking at it right now yep. it's uh that's interesting well dexter i hope you enjoyed that fact because i sure did so um all right well i'm glad that we didn't forget the kit fact this week i i feel bad that we did last week so um i'm not sure what our next uh podcast is gonna be uh but we'll figure it out and we'll be back so you know you guys just keep tuning in um we had a far fun part of this uh part two um jeff as always appreciate you coming on yeah thanks for having me guys uh best of luck with future episodes yeah well we'll have you on in the future you know maybe if we do our nfl preview we'll get you to talk about uh your buffalo bills and i'll get sounds a, good get to do my love affair with the bears and have kit pout the whole time so yeah screw the nfl <laughs> all right so uh thanks for tuning in and I'd- Oh. I was going to say, I, was gonna say I, I hope everybody likes the new opening that we had uh, this oh, yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. t- d- took some time and did an actual opening. So, uh, instead of just plays and music, we have some music and, and an intro for you. So, yeah. hope we're, everybody enjoyed that this week. Yeah, we're official podcast now. So, I mean, uh, you guys are going to enjoy that. So, as, I was, uh, as always, gosh, I can't talk. As always. I appreciate all of our listeners, and we will be back on Welcome to the Dog Pound. Who? I got something else to tell you about the new Motown. What people don't visit, they move out here. And ain't no telling who you might see up in Lenox Square. I don't know about you, but I miss the freak Nick. Cause that's when my city used to be real sick. People from other cities used to drive for miles just to come and get a taste of this ATL. I'm the MVP, most ballin' this player. Make my own moves, call me the mayor. Monday night, you know things change with time. Magic City back looking like 89. All my homies on the south side up in the Ritz. Tuesday night, the velvet room, same shit Wednesday, strokers, I don't go no more Cause they don't know how to treat you when you come through the door Thursday night, was plush, but we moved the fuel And I be up in the booth, drunk, acting the fool Friday night, at Kaya, they still got love And the shark bar be popping like it's a nightclub Saturday, still off the heezy for sheezy You can find me up in one tweezy Sunday, didn't need some sleep, please I'm on my way to the deck to hit jazz and tease Holla, Representing NYC to the 